A track that paints an awkward picture. A mesmerizing song written in character. And one of the most lucrative songs in music history. You're listening to Themes and Variation. Themes and Variation is a podcast about music and perspectives, brought to you by the online music school, Soundfly. I'm your host, Carter Lee. All right, folks, another Themes and Variation coming at you. we got a fun episode for you today as we are breaking down songs I wish I'd written. We've got three tracks that for one reason or another our panel wishes was a part of their catalog. And joining me for this deep dive into songs we'd love to claim as our own is of course my frequent co-host Mihaela Lee and composer, producer, songwriter, and artist Celine Vanderwalt. As a multi-instrumentalist, Celine has written original music for and performed on the scores of several TV shows and films like Ray Donovan and The Affair. Her work is also regularly heard in TV commercials, being featured in spots for Nike, Verizon, Microsoft, Dior, and many more. Celine's previous EPs, Strange and Fire Escaping, have been featured in Billboard, BuzzFeed, Earmilk, as well as Spotify's Indie Pop and New Music Friday playlists in several countries. Celine was also featured in Rolling Stone for her contribution of the acoustic version of her song Diamond for the Rough Trade compilation album Talk Minus Action Equals Zero. And, by the way, Celine did the motion capture for the bassist-guitarist character in Rock Band VR. Celine really was the perfect guest for this episode, and it was just such a joy to get to chat music with her. And we had some huge news last week in the world of Soundfly as we just launched our Summer of Synthwave Calm Trues Remix Contest. In his exclusive course, Calm Trues Mid-Fi Synthwave Slow Motion Funk, we get to see Seth Haley, aka Calm Trues, create a brand new track from start to finish called Dynetics. I'm going to give you a little taste of Dynetics right now. And now it's your turn to add your own creative take on Seth's music in our Summer of Synthwave Calm Trues Remix Contest. And first things first, here are the rules for the Summer of Synthwave Calm Trues Remix Contest. You must be a subscriber to soundfly.com at the time of submission to enter. There's a limit of three submissions per person max. You got to use at least one of the stems from Dynetics, of course. And submissions must be received by Friday, September 17th, 2022 at 11.59 p.m. That's Eastern Standard Time. 
Now, I got to share the amazing prizes up for grabs in this contest. So one grand prize winner will receive a one-on-one call about your track with Calm Trues himself, the Kilohertz Ultimate Bundle, some of Calm Trues' favorite plugins from D16, Profit 5 emulation from Arturia, the complete sample collection from Samples from Mars, $100 credit to Soundfly, and your track featured on Flypaper. And two lucky runners-up will also receive a one-on-one call about your track with Calm Trues, the Disperser plugin from Kilo Hearts, a $50 gift certificate to Samples from Mars, a $100 credit to Soundfly, and your track featured on Flypaper. So once again, this contest is open to Soundfly subscribers. So if you're already an active subscriber, head to soundfly.com, head to the Calm Trues course where you'll find the full contest details and all of the stems you need to get started. You'll also find two brand new lessons from Calm Truths himself on remixing as a little inspiration as you get started on your Dynetics remix. And if you're not a subscriber but thinking about subscribing to get access to all of our incredible courses in addition to participating in this contest, be sure to use the discount code PODCAST in all caps to take 20% off a monthly or annual subscription. And finally, folks, if you're enjoying the show, please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. Now, that is more than enough out of me. So let's get into the episode, Songs I Wish I'd Written. All right, folks, another themes and variation coming at you. I am joined, as almost always, <laughs> uh, as I was correct in the last episode, by the one and only Mahaya Lee. Mahaya, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Carter. How are you doing? I'm great, and I am very pleased to be joined by composer, producer, songwriter, and artist, the one and only Celine Vanderwalt. Celine, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm fantastic. I was like trying to figure out exactly what to put in for your little intro there, and I was like, I can't leave anything out because you do so many things. <laughs> you do so many things at a super high level. We're so excited to to talk to you today about songs. Uh, I wish I'd written songs we wish we wrote ourselves or whatever the final title will be around there. Um, For both of you, I know what you did select for this episode. Were there any other songs that you considered for this theme? Mm -hmm. No. (laughs) This was actually a really hard theme to find a song for for me because on the one hand, it's everything, right? But on the other hand, it's kind of like half the time... I don't think I could have written the song just because that would have meant I would have had to have a, an entirely different life experience. And I'm I'm generally yeah. doing all right. So I don't know. It's a little it's a little bit of a like um it's a wonderful life question in some ways to me, you know? <laughs> anyway. So I actually had considered some other songs and pretty much any song off of Neon Skyline from Andy Schaff. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> like, right I was like, browsing through that and I'm like, oh man, like any of these, but I'm going through a big Rufus phase, so I stuck with mine. This is quickly becoming a Schaff cast. Yeah, I, yeah, we'll get into that because I... Does I, this keep happening? It, 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 I think it like so. We, <laughs> I I picked an Andy Shaw song for an episode like a year ago. Yeah, and then when this theme came up, uh, songs I wish I'd written, it was obvious for me like what artist I needed to once again uh, go to the well on. And I, I was gonna pick Andy's song uh, Wendell Welker, namely because it like really he's from the prairies. I'm from the prairies, and when people ask like of Canada, like what it's like in the winter and stuff, it's like 
kind of difficult to describe and the way that he paints the picture and then also a very dark picture after sure. that though but like mm-hmm. through that song it's just like man i wish i could just point people to the song and like hey i wrote that now this past winter's the coldest in years it's hard to explain if you've never lived that's such a weird reason to have wanted to do that song, though. Are you saying that you yep. relate to that song? Uh, parts of That's it. That's interesting. Yeah, and also, uh, unfortunately, parts of it are also, like, <laughs> it's just relatable to... Fa- I didn't grow up on a farm, but lots of relatives yeah. did. And I'm learning about you right now. Similar similar stories, like, that I won't get into. Yikes. But anyway, just making a dark <laughs> Yeah, yeah, turn. let's, let's, let's yeah, get going. Before we... <laughs> take too much of a dark turn i want to listen to some music with you both so let's get into our first selection for the episode Listening to early to the party, I have to go with like a velvety voice on on this part. I try to make myself sound <laughs> Radio even more voice. velvety because because that's what this track is to me. You it's don't like, like you just have to do an impression, velvet. like an folks, impression of this we all, song. Yeah. I can't do it. I, I well, it's not to die, like I'm sorry to just jump right into this, but I really think I'm like I'm just just so curious who he and Margaret Glassby listen to that they both have that like unique accent when they sing that's so similar anyway so the the he you're talking about is Andy yes Schaff. sorry uh, we were listening to early to the party from we the one in. and only andy Schaff. um and from from a record that uh you know the party itself a, a concept record um kind of goes through a bunch of different scenes of of and characters mm-hmm. centered around a party uh, i think there's a couple other tracks that are kind of thrown in that don't necessarily fit the the concept um the magician opens up this record and that was the first record or first track i ever heard from andy schaff and like oh my if you God, hear that so intro, it's uh, unbelievable right mm, like it just give me those woodwinds I want to get right into why I wish I'd written this. I mean, for first, first things, I mean, maybe that's not first things first, but I, I do kind of feel this way about all of Andy's music, like everything that I've heard. It, um, Celine, you mentioned Neon Skyline. That record's incredible. The Fox Warren stuff that he that he's done is, is incredible. He's one of those artists for me that like, right, like just can't do any wrong right now. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard a track where I'm like, ah, yeah. I, don't, I don't really like that, which is so rare. I think even my favorite. Artists, you guys have any artists like that for yourselves where they're just like, I, I can't think of a single song in their catalog that I just um, don't like. Interesting. I I think for me, 
right now, that would have to be like Charlie XCX. No, mm-hmm. oh, like, yeah. I've been listening to Charlie forever. And there'll be stuff where I'm like, oh, I like this more. I like this a little right. less. But like, there's nothing that I absolutely don't like. Like every time an album comes out, I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm going to, I'm going to bump this. Like, yeah, absolutely. I can see that. I feel like it's more moments, you know, where like, it's hard to find if you like an artist, it's often hard to find an entire song that you don't like, that I don't like, I should say. But every now and then it'll be like, no, why did they choose that specific word? Or that mm-hmm. chord feels a little awkward to me or whatever. But I mean, Simon Dawes, short-lived band, but there's yeah. not a single track of theirs that I wouldn't listen to over and over and over again. And that's probably part of it. They didn't they yeah, didn't I last want more. long enough to like make to disappoint you, I guess. <laughs> exactly. But then, but then Blake Mills goes on and does like all incredible. Well, and also stuff Dawes exists. So yeah. <laughs> Still. Um, another huge reason for me why I wish I had written the song: the lyrics. I'm not a songwriter at all, and you both are fantastic songwriters. So I, I cannot relate to what that feeling is and and like i'm not yeah but you like you know great. words like you speak well, yeah, well you know I'm what i mean i'm aware of words but i but, but i'm saying like this taps into that a little bit like the fact that it's somebody describing scenes that you can picture so closely i feel yes, like there's a lyric writer in you somewhere maybe uh, <laughs> maybe but i i don't connect with lyrics I, most of the time i'm listening i'm like listening to the production or of course the baseline or like just how how it sounds how it how it makes me feel overall this song lyrically perfectly captures that kind of like nervousness and anxiety that i think a lot of us i can absolutely relate to where you're just in a very awkward situation literally Mm -hmm. you're at picture yourself at a party that maybe you don't know a lot of people at Mm -hmm. and you're the first one there and you're talking to the people like it's just it's brutal but right off the bat that that first line early to the party, you're the first one there, overdressed and, and underprepared. Like, yep, uh, that like dichotomy it's so there too. Good. Um, this is uh, my favorite part of this podcast ever, and I don't do it very often. But uh, Carter interprets lyrics from a song, <laughs> uh, so this is my my interpretation. So this being a concept record, there is. I think this this is from the perspective. Uh, or at least Andy kind of being like omnipresent, like kind of narrating from the perspective of this character, Jenny, who appears later in the record, mm. uh, for which a character then professes his love to. And another mm-hmm. awkward. So this, this record's so awkward. From a, <laughs> quite, quite like you. That's yeah. that yeah, yeah. uh, to, to you Amazing. is the one that I think where he's like, Jenny, can we talk a minute? I got some things to get off of my chair like that. I'm not going to sing it. Jimmy can we talk a minute? I've got some things that I need to get off of my chest. To me, this is Jenny showing up at the party because her current partner, significant other, um, just kind of is not the best person, is bailing on them. The whole second verse um, is really just on on this this person bailing on what who I believe to be Jenny. Um, so that's my take. Um, it hits very, a very relatable moment. I can think of moments, particularly in high school. I don't go to parties. I don't. I mean, maybe you guys do, 
I know, like Celine, you're doing like album release parties and things like that, so those are fun and not uncomfortable. But like, going oh, to I'm random... still going to some some house parties around yeah. here where I am definitely like the <laughs> oldest person in the room and still like living it up. But and I show up and and you know if you're too early, which is I'm a very timiest person, so Same. this has happened to me. Yeah, and then you're just kind of like, wait, well, says like. He's hanging out in the kitchen and like making the host nervous. Mm. I'm like, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Isn't there that song? Yeah. I can't remember who it is. There's that old song that um, you'll always find me in the kitchen at parties. The song always reminds me of that just a little <laughs> bit. I can't remember. I like that. Like another reason really though why I wish I'd written it is of course the writing in terms of the production and composition. I mean, mentioned earlier, Andy's use of woodwinds uh, all over this record is just unbelievable. Um, on this track, you know, through the through the pre-chorus, like kind of instrumental break, um, you get the woodwinds and, and it's just a really, really beautiful sound I would like to play for you guys right now. Incredibly lush, yeah. Build into so the chorus, good. and the chorus a very subdued and chilled out spot. But it 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 builds a little bit of energy, but it doesn't like it's not an overload of anything. It's just a really nice palate cleanser. What woodwinds yeah. are on this session. song? Because I know he uses Man, like so I know, many things that so, deserve more love. Uh, friend of the program, Michael Sachs, Michael Sachs has played with Andy, and he played. That doesn't narrow the, it down. He plays bass everything. clarinet. He played the bass <laughs> clarinet. <laughs> okay. There is a live at Massey Hall video that I would highly recommend anybody checking out. You get a really good sense. Uh, there's an oboe, I think, too. It's not yeah. even like traditional. Like it, it's not like saxophone. Well, I mean, it is know? traditional. <laughs> that's the thing. That's like the clarinet. It, I think exactly, is very. Right. It, it, the clarinet to me is underrated, and <laughs> it deserves a comeback. Uh, <laughs> more orchestration goodness on this track there's a huge string feature uh mm. throughout the entire like bridge mm -hmm. um really really beautiful build i want to play into the last verse which the last verse then just dies down to just piano and voice i'm going to play a little taste of that as well and then just oh, voice and keys and it's there's just a weight to that after that build and build and build and do we know if he does the arrangements for the strings and the woodwinds so i i can't say for certain i would venture a guess that he does i have read enough about his I guess how he learned, like he learned to play a ton of instruments. He talks about being like homeschooled and really his outlet was, you know, just, just being at home, working on music constantly, learning piano, learning every instrument he could get his hands on. I know his first record uh, he played everything on. Um, so I do think there's, you might get some help and assistance on it, but I think he has a lot of control. And this is just a, a guess, but mm -hmm. a, a lot of control over the orchestration and the arrangement of, of yeah. every piece really did he produce um, like how much production did he do especially in the earlier days 
too. He played and produced everything, I think, on Bearer of Bad News. Yeah. Um, this record, I, I'm not. I'm less certain. Mm-hmm. That's why, like, um, I'm, this... I'm curious if we heard the demo versions of these songs, how much of that stuff would already be in there, like arrangement wise. Well, I have heard demos from stuff that ended up on Neon Skyline and the demos that he does are literally just voice and guitar. Oh, okay. That's it. So <laughs> never mind. He's and also like a, a test like every one of his songs and I, I love there's verses of them everywhere of just him singing and playing guitar. As a songwriter when you can you can have a song that's so fully produced and, and beautifully done like that, but like it also hits super hard at its most stripped down. Yeah. You've got something really special there. So Yeah. That's a, and Brian, we had Ryan Lott on the last episode. And he said something that really stuck with me about a Sun Lux track and it being the aim was for it to be intimate but far away. And this track feels like that. There's so much intimacy in the guitar playing. His voice is is very much kind of like this like subdued. It, it really brings you in. But then there's a width in the track with, with the way it's mixed and the strings panned and the orchestration being super wide. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. I just yeah. I wish I wrote this song. That would have been great. I would be very <laughs> proud to have written this song. Um, do either of you have any any finishing thoughts on or questions, comments, anything on uh, early to the party from Andy Schaff? I mean, part of what I love so much about this song is even if you heard this song on its own and you hadn't heard the album, um, you're like, it's very clear that it's a it's just a piece of the whole picture. Mm. Like you were saying, like, it's a very specific scene. And it like, even today, you know, before we did this, I was reading through the lyrics again and I've heard the album a bunch and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm totally drawn in. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm watching like an episode of TV listening to this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like what's going on here? Like what's going to happen yeah. with these characters? And then with each song in the album, you feel like you really see this is a weird thing for me with all the amazing thing with Andy Shelf's records to me. I feel like I know his friends. When I'm done listening to it, like I feel like I know him. Like when seriously, like when you watch a show enough, where you're like, oh, these are like my friends. Like I get it, you know. Um, And that is just so amazing. So this song is like this incredible glimpse into his world. Whether it's and then of course with songwriting, you know, whether it's all real true stories or it's made up, it doesn't even matter to me. I just feel like I I know them and I'm there, and I get very excited about this record. I have a question. So, given that you grew up in Canada, Carter, and can relate Correct. on some levels, and just told Correct. us that he was uh, homeschooled. Yeah. Do we feel like this is based on a real party, or is this a situation that he made up in his mind? I think that a lot of the record is autobiographical. Okay. I think That's that it feels that he's, way. He's had yeah. some of these experiences or I had never considered also, it till you said he was homeschooled he, a second ago. And then I was like, Whoa, how does he know all yeah, these people? <laughs> but he also, so I remember we talked about hometown hero on this podcast yeah. and that didn't happen to him, but it happened to somebody like in oh, his town or something like, so there, there are th- like, like the song that we're about to talk to, like he will take a story that he's maybe heard or, or somebody mm-hmm. else's experience and superimpose it into his own life. But it's also like, this could have happened to him. I've seen him at a party and, and I could absolutely <laughs> He's at least say, been like, to one party. Yeah. He was at guy. that one like, for sure. <laughs> yeah, this, this was the party that he was, yeah. But Can you imagine um, going to one party and writing a whole album? Wow, man, what a party. There I was in uniform 
right, Celine, what do we have the pleasure of listening to? This is The Art Teacher by Rufus Wainwright. And I'm glad that you are fading it out only because I can't even handle listening to the entire song. Like, I get choked up. I love it so much. Look, I have to admit, I haven't listened to enough Rufus Wainwright. I don't know that I had heard this song before you recommended it. And I, I I'm like, glad I selected that, you, it, that it's new. Which is tough uh, to admit. but See, but I feel like the thing about Rufus Wainwright is he, there's something about his voice and the way he writes where I think you could admit that to him. And he'd make you feel okay about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You feel safe in his hands when you listen to him sing for some reason. He has a massive discography too. Yeah. I hadn't mm-hmm. heard this song until until last October, actually. Mm. Don't feel bad, basically. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Uh, I, I won't feel too too bad about it, but I, I got to go deeper into the discography for sure. So, yeah. Celine, obviously this song having a really big emotional impact for you as a listener. So it's I think has that for plenty of people checking it out. What are some other reasons why you wish you'd written The Art Teacher? Okay. A huge reason why I wish I'd written this is because it perfectly captures this like moment in time of this young girl. First of all, we have to bring up that Rufus Wainwright is a man and this is written from the perspective of a young woman, Mm -hmm. which I think is just so cool. Like that's like superhero songwriter status like and and it's not in this way where it's like tone deaf or something like I barely even thought about that fact until after I was really moved by the song I was like damn that's actually written from the perspective of a young woman Mm -hmm. um so cool but it perfectly captures this overly romanticized love and like a moment in time when you're younger and you're like infatuated with someone there I was Looking at the art teacher, I was just a girl then. But then also carries us through all the way to her becoming like, I guess, a middle-aged woman, like married at the end. Here I am in this uniform, pantsuit sort of thing. There's just so much that I love about this. It says so much in so few words, which I also really appreciate. And I don't know. I feel like I, I'm totally there in the scene. And the first time I heard it uh, was this last October. I was walking to get coffee. I was in Portland, Oregon, doing like mm-hmm. a writing trip. And it was just kind of like I was just playing through the album. And I was just immediately like, like stop dead in my tracks, listen to the lyrics. One of those moments, you know, yeah. where you're like, mm-hmm. I can't let the song just go in one ear, not the other. This is amazing. To have a song literally stop anybody in their tracks, especially now, like so much of my listening to is just like almost peripheral. Feels like yeah. I'll be doing something and I'll put some music on. So that that's incredible that you like literally had to, had to just stop. There's a couple of things. One, you both had to take art history, right, at Berkeley? Oh, yeah. 
How it far, makes me I think about art my history. art history classes and my art history teacher, who you guys probably knew. <laughs> oh my god! This is going down Berkeley memory lane, uh, yeah. listeners. But I, I had Ross Bressler as my art history. Me teacher. too. I never yeah. got him. Everybody loved him. He yes, and best. I think of him when man. I hear the song, dude. It's so weird. Like <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't that, in love with him, but I'm like no, I, 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 I feel like, like I can either, picture. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Someone was, you know. He was awesome. I, I just and he took us to the MFA in Boston mm-hmm. and explained yep. everything to us. And it was it was one of those classes that I, I think a lot of students would like ditch because it was it was it art history music. and it wasn't yeah. music oh, and it was like was all awesome. easily yeah. but it was the best. It was one of the, the, the classes that I, I has stuck with me. So Ross Bressler, I'm sure you're not listening to this, but shout maybe out, we'll find a way to get out. it to you. Uh, if you are, I hope you're doing well <laughs> wherever you are, because that's amazing. You got a fan club. Huge yep. fan club. The other thing <laughs> that, that struck me about the song is just the harmony, of course, right off, off the bat. There's a lot of other examples of this, but of course, like I got Radiohead vibes from it when you have that kind of descending piano yeah. harmony. right away has that kind of classical vibe it very much reminds me this is so nerdy but it reminded me of uh chopin's uh prelude in in e minor i don't think that's nerdy i think that 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 makes sense yeah but hey i appreciate like philip glass vibes too yeah yes definitely absolutely um I love this song now. I saw too. I, I read that he was inspired to write it. Yes, from the perspective of of a girl, this guy that he met at his gym. He said was like who was talking about how all of his students were like infatuated with him, um, and then apparently Rufus Wainwright played this song for him and went right over his head. Um, I'm curious for either of you as incredible songwriters. We might cut this out because maybe it's too personal, or whatever. But have you been inspired to write a song? Played it for that person and it just kind of, they didn't, they were totally aloof that they were the subject of the song or their experience was the subject. Are you really asking me this question? Because, yeah, no, hey, I know when you're writing songs that are, (laughs) that I'm involved in for sure. So, no, but I do Um, a thing. So, I I like to, if I write a song about someone, a lot of the time I try to write a second song where I flip the perspective, right? So, I've written songs about you that are about me, if that makes any sense. That makes sense. yeah, like where it's like this is a situation, and I think if you're gonna write a song partially for therapeutic reasons, which is part of songwriting to me, then I think mm-hmm. that you owe it to yourself to look at things from a different angle. So I have songs where like I was angry at you, so I wrote a song where from your perspective being angry at me, kind of thing. And you've played bass on those, so but I guess you're aware of that. So. <laughs> and you played bass on those. Yeah, I love cool. that. Oh, you know, musician life. I'm not like part out, it's not but, a secret uh, or anything. <laughs> no. uh, but for Celine, yeah, have you had have you had that experience at all in in your writing? um yes, but I can't speak to whether I mean I'm down to get a little personal about this, but I cool. I can't I can't speak to whether it went over their heads or if there's mm. more of an understanding. Um. Where it's like, just don't ask about it. That's actually like a Mm. big thing in my Mm. life where like, especially now I'm doing just a ton of writing. And of course you're writing about your life and the experiences in it. Mm -hmm. And similar to like what I love about the art teacher is like taking a, a, a very specific moment or situation in my life and writing a story around it. So mm. not necessarily every tiny detail is accurate. It's just like, this is how I felt like. 
I felt in love with you this one night. And so I'll write this whole song about it. And then the next day it's like, you know, I feel like you're keeping me at arm's length. And like, that mm -hmm. doesn't mean that that is the overall encapsulate, encapsulating thing for the that one relationship. If this makes sense, mm -hmm. let me know yeah. if I'm mm -hmm. not making sense. So I find it difficult to show songs like that. Like I recently had a show and I played some of the new stuff and some of the people were there who it was written about, you know, and it's mm. like, I hope that they're not offended or they're overwhelmed sure. or, you know, because you're a writer, you're just, tr you're trying to tell a specific story. And that's mm -hmm. like my number one thing. And it's funny because like at this last show, I played a song and the person who it was about was like, oh, I really like that one that had like, you know, the harpsichord in it. And you said this and this. And I'm thinking in my head, like, <laughs> damn, that song's about you, dude. Yeah. Like, but <laughs> I feel like, on, I feel like on some level, the, um, especially if it's another writer, they probably know, but yeah. like, we're not really going to like go there and talk about it. Or at mm -hmm. least I would appreciate not doing that and vice versa. That's also goes for the people who I hang out with or I'm dating or whatever, and they're writing stuff. And I'm like, damn, I feel like this is about me, but <laughs> let's not go there. Like, I respect your craft. Like, it's all good. Yeah. Unless they were saying something know. really intense and you're like, do we need right. to talk about this? You know? Like, if they just name it Suleen, then that might be an issue. Yeah. yeah like, if it got really personal. <laughs> so I try to keep out, like, really personal details and stuff. I don't know. It's a fine line, right? Because yeah. you want to include enough details where it feels real, but you want to yeah. respect someone's privacy. And yeah. I do think both Rufus Wainwright and Andy Schaff do that well, too. Like, their songs yeah. aren't large. Like, they manage to tap into something very big without it feeling larger than life and cheesy. Like, anyone could relate to the scenarios that they put out. Yeah. In spite of the details. Question for both of you. Um, mm. Maybe the answer might be obvious, but I, I think there's a question here. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. <laughs> like you mentioned, these are some of these moments are fleeting that you're writing about, right? Like it's a specific yes, moment a that happens at a specific it. time, and then but then you start writing a song, and it takes much longer to write a song than maybe you have that same emotion to that experience. So how do you kind of? prolong that mindset of whatever happened, whatever made you feel that specific way to get into that song lyrically, prolong it long enough to actually create the song and see the song all the way through. I know this is like a very nonsensical almost uh Well, it's question, a philosophical question. It's a, it's a great question. Oh, thank um, you. Like I said, I've been doing a ton of writing recently, like more than I ever have for my own project. And when I get that specific fleeting feeling, I'm just like, yo, everything else in the schedule needs to go. I mean, I'm mm. also lucky that like I'm freelance and I make my own schedule. So most of the time mm. I do have that luxury to be like, the inspiration's here. Everyone else go away. Like I need to do this <laughs> right now, you know, unless I have some crazy deadline. So I, I do think at least for me, it flows in the moment when I'm still feeling it, you know, it'll be like the day after the experience. Mm -hmm. And I'll write the entire song has recently been the, how things have gone down. And then for when I, when I can't do that and, you know, I like write down my little, in my little song seeds app, like the ideas from that fleeting moment, it's so much harder to get back into that space. Here's mm -hmm. a good example, like a funny example, actually. I was working um, a day job that I really didn't like before the pandemic hit. And I wrote the song called I Want to Quit My Job. <laughs> and like, it just didn't have a second verse. Like, this is not like about anyone else or anything romantic, but it was just like this, like, 
visceral feeling of like, I hate this, right? Yeah. And it was like this day job that I had before. And then the pandemic hit, you know, the whole world got flipped on its head. I lost that job. And now I just like work as a writer. So I like love my job now. Yeah. <laughs> and I've revisited the song and tried to finish it. And I'm like, man, I just can't like tap into that feeling anymore, which is like, that worked out well, I guess, yeah. but not well for the song. <laughs> so I do think it's harder to like get back into it, but maybe that's something you can practice as a writer, like kind of like tricking your your mind yeah. and your heart to get back into that emotion. Well, I think just as a person, the reason I'm saying this is such a philosophical question to me, Carter, is like, I don't know, do you not carry the weight of emotions you felt in the past with you every day of your life, at least a little? Whoa. No. Yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Do you want to talk about it? Man? Yeah, yeah. No. It's like, you know, how, you know how, like, if you see, like, if you reread a book that you read in middle school and then you read it again as an adult and things make more sense to you, some of that is like, yeah, you learn more words and, like, grew up. Some of that is you've had life experience that makes mm -hmm. it so that things look different to you than they did before. And some of that perspective from those things that you experienced, you're going to carry with you in everything you do always. Like some commercials make me cry and it's not because it's a sad commercial. It's because it resonates on some level. What and commercial makes you cry? I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> but, you know, but you know what I'm saying? Like, the, like I, I do think that there, yeah, it's hard to get into that space entirely. But mm -hmm. I think that you keep pieces of that where the next time you feel kind of melancholy, you can then get back to that, pla that melancholy place you were in when you had the original idea for the song or whatever. Like some yeah. of that will linger um that was very... i mean there's nothing sorry, sorry go, ahead, go on no you got it <laughs> i was just gonna say it's nothing like trying to finish a love song about someone where like that day you had an argument that's yeah. like kind of like the you know it's like totally it is hard to get back into it but then i'm like you're a writer god damn it like yeah, this is just, what you do get back into like, it you, you know you remember like how acting. it felt to be in love even yeah. if it was like maybe you have to draw on like the early memories from a different relationship or something yes, to get yes. that there but there's something that's a good point. It's like method acting, you know? Yeah, 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 totally. Well, that was very illuminating for me both. Thank you. I, <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, any additional final thoughts on the art teacher before we move on? Just listen to more Woofus. Woofus It's because of Andy Schaff. I'm not going to say Woofus. Woofus. Uh, uh, never mind. Well, I am, uh, I'm ready to move on to our final selection. If you both are, this is, <laughs> yeah. uh, this is Mahaya's pick. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, here we go. I stand by it. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. All right, Mahaya, what... Are we, I'm just checking, it is, yeah, it's July 20th right now. Uh, Maya, what are, do we have the pleasure <laughs> of listening to? We are listening to um, the Bing Crosby version of Irving Berlin's song, White Christmas, in July on yeah. a 90 day. <laughs> yeah. So all, is, were you inspired by the Chris Gaines track, Snow in July, to pick this? Because... I think that Irving Berlin was inspired by the Chris Gaines track, Snow in July. Um, <laughs> no, Chris Gaines very rarely creeps into my head. I'm sorry. It's, it's... Um, but but yeah, this like I said, this was a tough theme for me in some ways, because any song I like, part of me wishes I wrote. <laughs> um, even songs I don't like, part of me wishes I wrote, just because... 
I like writing songs. I find it so satisfying. And actually, it probably wouldn't be satisfying to have written all the songs. Um, yeah. You put me in a philosophical <laughs> headspace, Carter, and I can't <laughs> shake it. Uh, but but the, so like, I'll just I'll pull myself out of that immediately. What it came down to, the reason that this jumped into my head, and it's not the reason I went with it, but the reason I thought of it is I was like, well, it would probably be cool to have written like the greatest selling song of all time oh i see you yeah Yeah. because you know like the emotional side it's hard to be like oh i wish i wrote that person's experience in some ways um but this is the best selling single of all time almost definitely do you do you also (laughs) wish you wrote kate bush's running up that hill right now yeah uh yeah but (laughs) yep but that's like a different thing in some ways like i kind of feel like i wish I was Kate Bush more than I wish I was Irving Berlin. <laughs> but maybe not. I don't know. Actually, you know, he probably had a great life. I'm not sure. I don't know that much about his his backstory yeah. there. Or hers, for that matter. Um, but yeah, so this is almost definitely the best-selling single of all time. It's a little hard to confirm that just because it was released in 1942. So that's before our current pop charts even existed. Um, so just yeah. wild. For the, stating for the record here that both Celine and I made some picks about you know emotionally connecting yeah. with the song and listeners yes. and very altruistic reasons and Mejia is making a pick I'm in it based for purely financial gain. on financial gain <laughs> hey there's nothing wrong with um, that no i'm for it late stage capitalism has reached <laughs> themes and variation uh, you're saying that like this day. isn't part of our day jobs <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Uh, fair <laughs> enough. Um, no, I, hey, I but, think okay, that's a fantastic okay, so, pick. So that's I, why I, I thought it. of it. I love that's the That's why angle. I thought of it. it. Like I said, it's not what cemented it. Because um, I could have done, I could have been like, oh, I wish I wrote everything that Debussy wrote for that right, matter, you know? Like right. I could have I done that or picked something more obscure. For that matter, I could have picked a friend's music. Absolutely. But when I dug into this song, I realized, you know what, even on like an emotional, personal level... I do wish I wrote this for a couple different reasons. I had never thought about exactly how melancholy the song is and how complex emotionally the lyrics actually are. It's everybody's favorite Christmas song, right? So you get the, mm-hmm. like, you have these cozy feelings that you associate with it, but it's actually a song about wartime. Oh. Interesting. Irving Berlin actually wrote most of it a couple of years before the Bing Crosby film that used it and made it popular came out. Um, he wrote it really quickly. He said that he sat down in like two writing sessions. Love to hear it. And had zero expectations for it. <laughs> um, I wish I wrote it for that reason. Like to have this come out and have it be an easy writing experience is pretty amazing to yeah. me. Wow. And I think there are two, like, there's a lot of things that are hard to write about, but I think it's hard to write a song about war that sounds sincere. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to write a song about the holidays that sounds sincere. And when he combined those two things, what he really did is he wrote a song that encapsulates peace. And that's incredible. Yeah. A, a holiday song with depth and like, wow, that's actually really incredible. I didn't realize that until you said that. And it is one of those things where like so many other songs, like we talked about Wonderwall by Oasis recently and things like that, where it's like, they're so popular and we take them for granted to such an extent that it's rare to dig under the surface. Not even the surface, like it's all right there. Like, even the melody of this song is kind of wistful and mm-hmm. a little bit, like, a little bit melancholy and certainly longing. Like, it's not a cheesy melody. It's really pretty. Yeah. Christmas with every 
Christmas card I it, it has some complexity. There's some chromatic stuff happening. So yeah, I don't know how you sit down and write this in two sessions, have zero expectations for it, and have it go on to be the most, you know, That's successful crazy. song in the eyes of capitalism. <laughs> I'm finding that very inspiring. I'm like, right? <laughs> all right, I, I could... Uh... I could try and knock out Good. something in two writing yeah. sessions. Who knows what'll happen? Yeah, just do it. See what I like. Just write it because you feel like writing it. it. Yeah. Put it on the shelf and then pull it out one day and be like, you know what? Actually, this is really good. Actually, you know what? That, that's a question I have for you, Suleen. Do you ever do that? Like where you feel like a song isn't going anywhere and you put it down and then you come back mm. and have a like, oh, wait. Great question. I was really talented when I started this kind of thing. Uh, yeah, totally. Like, I, especially because I think if you... You have that initial inspiration, then you chip away at it, and then sometimes you're like stuck on verse two for months, right? And then you're mm-hmm. like, well, screw this. Like, I don't even like the song anymore. And then <laughs> you find it like two years later, and, and, and you can still hear that initial, like even that like charm, charm in the demo, you know? And you're like, mm-hmm. this is good. Like, I was just overthinking this, you know? Totally. That does happen to me every now and then. I just have folders upon folders of like beats and song ideas. And I mm. actually recently like did that where I revisited a lot of them that were incomplete because I had like a week blocked out with a co-writer. So I was like, let me get a bunch of beats and stuff ready. And I was mm-hmm. like, damn, there's some stuff here from like three years ago that like has some merit like there's something in here that's cool so always keep your keep your song ideas don't fully throw them away mm-hmm. you know because you never know there is something too to that where like sometimes you put just too much pressure on yourself to finish a song um and you have these expectations for yourself but you like you could almost disconnect from something that you wrote a while back and maybe it is because you're in a different headspace <laughs> yeah i think that's a good way to put it you can disconnect from it it's like you're finishing someone else's work <laughs> you know yeah totally totally i think that makes sense yeah but yeah i don't know it's it's like this is the sort of thing like i really struggle to write stuff that feels happy and i know i just put on that whole thing about how it doesn't how it's not necessarily happy at all mm-hmm. but but like but realizing you don't have to have it be a beat and cheesy you could still write something that makes people feel good rather than like just pushing them further into the dark parts of their emotions you know which is always the temptation for me like oh i'm mad we should all just dig into frustration and sorrow um yeah but it's like comforting. It's so nuanced. Mm-hmm. It's such nuanced writing to have the subject matter be pretty grim. Yeah. And that, but when you listen to it, you feel really nice, you know, right? which is something that like I actually do think a lot about with writing for sync. Not that sync mm. songs are like grim by any means, but it's like you're trying to say something very specific. And then on the flip side of it, like the emotion really has to be pinpointed when you're saying Mm. things. And sometimes it can be like really specific lyrics that you have to use for a product, but they want it to feel like a really breezy, flowy summer song. You know, So it's like it is like Pete, like doing a bit of like mental math and just like piecing together a a puzzle. And then so I, I find it really interesting to try and pinpoint specific things like that, you know. Totally. And to do it in a way that feels simple enough to like be relatable and like a little bit of a blank slate where people can project their experiences onto what they're hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you were saying, even when we talk about Rufus Wainwright, but like having enough specifics and enough 
like unique language where you're noticing words that don't pop up all the time to hold your attention. That's that's a tough balance and amazing when it's done well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I had a question come up before that's still on my mind because you were saying you don't know if this was Irving Berlin's personal experience or not. How important is it to you guys when you hear a song that you really love mm. that the experience is was something that they truly experienced or something that they kind of made up? To me, not super important. When I do hear or read or whatever about that, it actually did happen. It it notches the track up just a little bit. I kind of go like, "Oh, that's interesting," and but that's kind of it. Like I, I mm-hmm. think that for me, yeah, it's like like everything we've talked about. If if the artist is able to convey something so powerfully, whether it happened to them or not, me as a listener believes them and and feels that throughout the song, then. Then I'm fine. So, uh, yeah, it's not super important to me. I think it's the <laughs> right, right. I mean, Man. I think so. So, to me, in an ideal situation, being a writer is being a vessel for an experience or an idea. Like, I would like to write music and have. Oh, who knows? Maybe I'm already doing it, but I would like to write music that is separate from me and how people see it. Um, I do think it's kind of like abstract art or something. If I have the backstory, I get a little more into like part of me. It's like reading celebrity gossip or something like I, I want to know. And there's a part of my brain that craves that. But I mean, in an ideal situation, if it's done well enough, I think that is in some ways a mark of great writing. But I also think that as a person, there's a little bit of a responsibility to to like society to, to be respectful of certain experiences like uh yeah 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 like if a white man wrote a song about being an asian woman there's a part of me that would struggle <laughs> yeah. with that knowledge you know mm-hmm. but at the same time if he did it so well where i feel like it resonated with me i'd be pretty impressed so i'm it's like the rufus song you know it's <laughs> exactly like perspective of a younger woman and i'm like damn that could have really rubbed people this, the wrong totally. way if it was like tone deaf and yeah not, not but good. it's gentle like it it yeah it I don't know. It just, it is so like respectful of that experience that I don't know. That said, I probably wouldn't do it myself. Um, really? Have I, you not written something that's just like, it's just made up? Uh, well, I, I think I wouldn't do it myself in a specific way. Like I, I'm happy to write about things that aren't real, but I don't think that I would bring like race into it, for instance. Yeah. Um, or like even like like, I wouldn't write a song about growing up being Canadian, even if, like, for some reason I was, like, commissioned to or something, Appreciate I'd probably that. bring Carter in to go, right? You know what I mean? Like, I just wouldn't yes. feel right about it. Um, I'll, yeah. I'll sign off on behalf of all of Canada that you can absolutely attempt to write a song. because <laughs> On I behalf think, of Canada. You've been here too long to have that authority. Uh, don't. That makes me sad. <laughs> Now that I'm sad, I got to cheer myself back up. And I'm going to do that by bringing in my favorite part of every episode where we learn more about our guests. So, Celine, you are just a fantastic producer, composer, singer, artist, everything that you do. Uh, You got that brand new cover out, uh, Lucky, which you got to check it out if you haven't heard it. Please share with our listeners everything you're up to, everything you want to share, where they can find you online, where they can get your music, shows coming up, releases coming up. You're always putting out new stuff. Uh, and I want people to definitely be aware of what's coming down the pipe from Suline. Awesome. Well, thank you for the kind words. That's mm-hmm. always really nice to hear. <laughs> um, man, as far as things coming up, like I'm in a very... Uh, 
experimental phase, I guess, with all of the writing. And I've been loving it because I actually did just put out an EP in April. So that still feels really fresh to me. That one's called In the Style of David Lynch. And so I was very focused on that and like all that stuff being in the pipeline. And once it came out and I did a lot of shows around that, I did a little touring. Now I'm in this really wonderful place where I'm like, I'm just throwing paint at the canvas. I'm writing as much as I can with as many people as I can. I have, uh, I don't even know if I should, I I think people like to hear like, yes, I have a single lined up and a release, but I'm just going to be real and say, I have no plan right now. And I'm very happy like this. Like I just need, yeah, I just need some like freedom to do whatever, you know, like um, on this last tour that I was on, with um, another musician that joins me on stage. His name's Eric Yalias. He actually went to Berkeley. I don't know if you guys knew him, but he's a few years younger. So Um, so he was like, hey, I have this beat idea for this Britney Spears song, Lucky. Um, It's like this hyper pop thing. Like you should check it out. And I was like, dude, this is amazing. And like, we just like (laughs) knocked it out really quick. So like I'm leaving the door open for very spontaneous things like that, trying not to overthink it. Last week, I locked out a whole week of co-writing with my co-writer, Maury, who co-wrote everything on the last EP, a bunch of stuff on the previous one. And like we would just sit all day and come up with stuff. So right now I'm like finishing all the productions from that. I have no shows coming up, which is, I think, the first time I have said that, except for pandemic times. Um, (laughs) Like since I became an artist, right? Like I was always DJing and playing. So... That's also very new. And I'm like, I'm sure some stuff always pops up, you know, like the the two labels that I'm on are always doing showcases and like uh, DIY stuff. And I love hopping on for those. But um, it's been really nice to just like have the time open to just write, you know, yeah. so I, I'm less in a like promotery marketing place right now where you're catching me. I, there's nothing specific to point to but like I'm very active online if you follow me on Instagram or I'm on TikTok as well um Suleen of the Hill because mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with King of the Hill so that's where the name <laughs> comes from um but I would say especially for <clears throat> for the Soundfly listeners my TikTok could be more interesting to you than any of the other uh social media stuff because pretty much every day when I'm writing for sync or writing for myself, I share what I'm doing and I talk people through, I do production tips in under a minute. It's like really quick. And I'm just like, Hey, today I clicked this random button on my like reverb plugin and this is what happened, you know, and just like really be very open about this is how I make these sounds. And these are the like happy accidents that happen. So, um, that like producer TikTok community has been really cool um, I like accidentally fell into it. I didn't, that was not like my plan at all. And now I'm there. So, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you know? awesome. um, yeah, so that's, that's my story. Just tons of writing, tons of hanging out, chatting with people, trying to get some stories to write about, you know? And that's going to do it for this episode of themes and variation. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to listen to every song mentioned on this episode, be sure to check out the Spotify playlist in our show notes. 
Remember to check out the Summer of Synthwave Comtrues Remix contest happening now at soundfly.com and drop us a line with any questions, comments, or theme suggestions at podcast at soundfly.com. As a special treat, we're going to play this one out with a snippet from Suleen's cover of the Britney Spears track Lucky. And we'll be back in two weeks with a new episode and a new theme. Nothing missing in my life.